It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Monday, where I'm at, it's about 15 degrees out there. Some of you a little bit warmer, some a little bit cold. Cold this week. You heard that in Don Day's forecast on your local station. That's for sure you're going to get some snow during the course of the week. How much? Who knows? Yeah, that's kind of a crapshoot there. And then we're going to have some wind, you know, a few nice days. It's just a mix of everything. But cold for sure, that's definitely going to happen. All right, we're getting close. There's a lot of stories I can start with. And I'm looking at the different stories I have in front of me thinking, well, a little bit of relief here today. As of this Monday, at least your news media doesn't have something to hyperventilate about, which they love to do because it keeps your attention. There's a balloon floating over Wyoming, something from China. It's always something that they have to hyperventilate about. And right now, they're kind of running a little low on stories. There'll be a bit of a lull. Then they'll find something else, and they'll grab onto that and get all hyperactive about it. Because getting people overly excited and in panic mode is how they make money. So they'll find something. Don't worry. Meantime, we're getting close to tax time. I'm sorry that I brought that up. But this next story based on tax time, oh, you'll understand it completely. This poor kid did his taxes for the first time. But first. Warning, this show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee, and feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not refer to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call the show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Do you remember the first time you got a paycheck? Did you bother to take a look at what was deducted? Most adults never do. There was uh, there's a picture out there somewhere on the Internet. It's a young man who's coming home with his first paycheck from his first job. And he's all proud of that paycheck, which he should be. Then his father says to him, hey, take a look at the deductions. And at that, that's the first time because he's been holding that paycheck since he got it from work. But now he's looking at what's deducted by your government's. I say government, city, county, state, federal, right? And his eyes get really big, and there's a look of shock on his. They take uh, how much? I've mentioned this guy before. I've someone I used to talk to in the UK. We would just chat online once in a while, and he's all hyper leftist socialist because he grew up in the UK, and he was bragging about free universal health care. Free? You sure it's free? You sure? Why don't you go take a look at your paycheck? Do you have a pay stub from your last paycheck? Well, yeah, I have one right here. 
Okay. How much did they deduct for health care? Oh, well, they took... And then he paused. And he said, well, okay, <clears throat> fine. My health care isn't free. No, of course not. They're deducting it from your paycheck. By the way, how much of your paycheck do they take? And there's this long pause. He is in utter shock when he sees how much of his paycheck they take for free health care in the U.K. Blows him away. Yeah, really frustrating. Now, I know as soon as I talk about something like this, there's always somebody, well, we have to have some government. What are you going to do for roads? Who pays for the roads? At no time did I ever say no government. At no time did I ever say zero taxation. But I am talking about seriously downsizing the size of government so they don't spend so much. So they're not taking so much from your paycheck. So you get to keep more because you work for it. You earned it. It's yours. It's not the country's money. It's not the people's money. It's yours. It's your property. And most people don't see their own money as, well, other people's money, especially as their property. I one time gave someone an example. I've given this example many times. Tell you what, we're just going to have everybody vote like a democracy, which we're not. America is a republic. But we're going to have everybody just vote. That car that you have, yeah, <clears throat> you're going to have to keep making those car payments, but we're going to take it from you, and we're going to give it to somebody who we think is needy. And there's nothing you can do about it because everybody agreed. We all voted on it, so we're taking your car. And typically the answer I get is, but that's my personal property. Yes, so is your money. So is the house you live in. So are your investments. These things belong to you and nobody else has a right to them. So that young man looking at his paycheck for the first time, his first paycheck, and his father is wise enough to say, hey, go take a look at how much they're deducting. And the kid is just stunned. How much money would you have if nothing was deducted? All right. Now, again, I'm not saying zero taxes. As a society, there's a few things which we could give government the job of. A few things. Now, having said that, here's the headline from PJ Media. Young man does his own taxes for the first time. Rage and mirth ensue. Sorry says, if you're not a liberal when you're 25, this and this is an old saying, many of you have heard this, if you're not a liberal when you're 25, you have no heart. If you're not a conservative by the time you're 35, you have no brain, said Winston Churchill. Sounds very Churchillian, but it was actually first uttered by French premier historian Francois Guizot. It was, uh, it hardly matters. The point is, every young person is a liberal until they get either attacked for the first time, robbed for the first time in some way, or they have to do their own taxes for the first time. So they start to actually pay attention to where their money is going and how government wastes it. Longtime Reason.com writer J.D. Tussell tells the story of giving his son the life lesson, very vital life lesson, of filling out his tax return by himself. To say that 
reality hit the kid upside the head would be an understatement, the story says. Quote, the whole system is based on the premise that the government already knows how much you owe, but won't tell you. You have to guess. That's what he told his son. What happens if I guess wrong, his son said. Well, there's no actual right answer in terms of how much you're supposed to pay. If you can even reach the IRS employees, well, they contradict each other. And people have often done this. As a study, there have been reporters out there, the rare reporter that actually does real news. There have been reporters out there who will write a story, uh, well, uh, call various IRS agents with the same question and get multiple different answers. But if you come up with something that they don't like, they destroy your life. Oh, holy blank, says the kid. Yeah, hang on. Let's dig into the story because we're coming up on tax time here. I mean, it's next month on the 15th. There's a way to eliminate that. I've talked about this before. There's a way to eliminate that. We don't have to have a tax time. You don't have to have an income tax. There's other ways to do this that are far more efficient. But there's reasons your government doesn't want it. 6.15 is the time. Wake up, Wyoming. Sometimes the best way. Woods, more stimulating than that first cup of coffee. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio. Six eighteen is the time to wake up, Wyoming. Okay, so I was just going through. I, I know I'm doing a little bit earlier, but tax time. That's because this is about the time. If you haven't already, you should be receiving your tax information, and it's a good idea to do them early. The earlier, the better. That's fine. So this is a story from the Reason Foundation. Reason Foundation is a libertarian think tank. What they're doing is uh, giving an idea to a young man what taxes are really like. So this is a father who works for the Reason Foundation who said to his son, okay, time for you to do your taxes for the first time. Now, what he told his son first off is, it's like the IRS knows how much you owe, but you're supposed to guess how much you owe. Careful if you guess it wrong. Yeah, there's no actual right answer, he said to his kid. You're supposed to figure out how much you're supposed to to pay. And if you call the IRS for advice, every time you call, you're going to get somebody different. If you get somebody at all, you're going to get somebody different and you're going to get a different answer. If you come up with an answer they don't like, they'll destroy your life. So the story says at the IRS website, we clicked on file your taxes for free link which touted a public-private partnership between the IRS and many tax preparation companies, filing software companies, and so on, providing their own tax preparation and filing for free. The first option was a guide tax preparation involving simple questions and letting you do the the software itself does the work. To name one, like TurboTax, right? That sounded great. Great way to undergo the inexpensive, potentially perilous process, he says, without understanding what the hell is happening. So we opted to file free form. And we walked through the kids uh, 1040, Dad says. 
What the blank does that even mean? His son asked multiple times as he worked his way through the usual questions about wages, capital gains, deductions, withholding, and the like. Pull up the instructions, he told his son. In fact, they, did, it, they didn't help at all. The instructions didn't help at all. The kid found that out a couple of days later. Two days later, he received an email rejecting his tax return. For reasons unknown, rejections consist of gibberish such as XML data has failed, validation, and then it's, I like this, CVC-complex-type 2.4B, whatever that means. Your copy of the email is into the IRS error search tool to get a clear explanation that could have been, and, and it could have included the rejection. They could have just said in the, in the beginning, hey, you forgot this. You didn't do this. They narrowly missed the zip code of the employer on the W-2 form. That was part of the problem. Anyway, they had to figure out what was wrong and resubmit it. All right, so if you're guessing the amended return was rejected, he said you'd be right. Finally, father and son went to a public library where they found a 1040 form with a helpful taxpayer booklet that they're supposed to give you all the information to pay your taxes. Finally, electronically, a direct deposit and avoiding paper returns is more important than ever this year, says the IRS, if you don't want to delay. Now, personally, I do file electronically, and I haven't had a problem, but we were talking about a kid here who's never done this before, and he's looking at a lot of this stuff going, what does that even mean? I don't understand. And that gets to be the case for people who have more assets, like you own a house, you have investments, things like this. It gets more and more complex. Which is why every year at about this time, and you'll hear me do this again, we'll have this little talk again when we get right up on April 15th, that there's other ways that Americans can pay taxes because, again, every time I bring this up, somebody always has to say to me, well, we have to pay some in taxes. How are we going to have roads? Never said no taxes. I never said no government. I said very small, limited government for obvious reasons. They're incompetent. They're corrupt. All right. So we have very little that we actually allow them to do. And your money is your property. That's yours. You worked for it. You earned it. Even if you were a very successful person and you're worth millions or billions, congratulations, that's yours. Nobody else has a right to that. And as far as taxation, that should be a very simple thing. Now, recently, President Biden and the Democrats misrepresented the fair tax idea, which you've heard me talk about before. If you don't know that one, go to fairtax.org. That's, that's one that the president said, well, the Republicans, no, one Republican suggested it. But he said the Republicans, no, one Republican was offering up the fair tax idea again. Well, they want to put a 30% sales tax. No, it is not a 30% sales tax on top of what you already pay. That's not what it is. The idea would eliminate the IRS. You would never have to fill out another tax form again. Okay, instead, it's a national sales tax idea. And you'd be thinking, well, things are expensive enough. Actually, it wouldn't raise the price at all because... So much of what you pay, like when you buy, let's say, a pair of shoes 
$50, right? That $50 pair of shoes, much of that cost is embedded taxes. So in other words, as a company makes a pair of shoes and then markets it, distributes it, and sells it at the store, every step of the way, every time an employee moves or part of the product moves, it's taxed by the government. Well, those taxes are not paid by the company who made the shoe. They embed that into the cost of the shoe. That's why that $50 pair of shoes costs $50. It would be considerably less. But all those embedded taxes raise the price up to $50. And so if we went to the fair tax idea, your $50 pair of shoes still cost $50. We're just moving everything to the end of the process. It's the actual cost of the shoe plus the embedded taxes you already pay, which is just put at the end. And what this eliminates is a company having to hire accountants and tax attorneys. And then the cost of compliance with taxes is also expensive. That gets added to the cost of the shoe, too. That cost of compliance goes away. It's just a retail tax at the end of the process, which is what the president and the Democrats completely misrepresented. The Republicans want to drop a 30% tax. That's not what was happening. That was flat out a lie. Morning, Rand. She's in for danger. We are all done. Files received. We got so screwed. My little brother doesn't have kids. O's. Talk about bend over. And I'm not going to say the rest of it. <laughs> Wild Bill from Laramie. Whatever happened to the flat tax proposition? Always felt that would be a win-win for taxpayers. Well, as much as I prefer the fair tax idea, the flat tax idea would also be a good one. And, you know, I, I know most of you understand what that is. But basically, let's just, I'm going to pick a number. 10%. Okay, fine. You pay 10% of whatever it is that you earned. All right, and, and that's it. Deductions, there aren't any. Now, part of the problem with that can be is a lot of – when you take, let's say, someone who's worth uh, $2 billion, well, that person doesn't actually have $2 billion, and they probably don't actually make that much when it comes to their salary. They're worth $2 billion when you take a look at how much their businesses and all of their assets are worth. Nobody has $2 billion in cash sitting in a vault somewhere. So your flat tax would have to take something like that into consideration unless you just – because a lot of people are worth a lot of money and make a lot of money, but they don't make it in cash. It's in what their business and their assets are worth which is why they're worth $2 billion, but they don't have $2 billion. So flat tax has to deal with something like that, but still. Now, some people say, well, the rich should pay their fair share. Well, 10% of $2 billion, 10% of $2 billion is a lot more money than 10% of 50000 So they do pay their fair share in that sense. But yeah, that would be a better way to do it too. But I still like the idea of no income tax. Besides even fair tax, there's other ways to do this that wouldn't be the hassle and wouldn't be so invasive into your life. 
which is one of the reasons why I think many in government don't want to get rid of it, because they like using the tax code to peer into your life and even try to manipulate what you spend money on, what you don't spend money on. A lot of the tax code is put in place to try to get you to spend more on this and less on that. All right, coming up on 6.30. I got other topics. I just want to hit that one first. Local news, weather forecast, wake up Wyoming. to Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Call Glenn at 888-97-WOODS and make your voice heard. AM 1030 K2 Radio. Six thirty-six at times. Wake Up Wyoming. All right. Depending on where you are in Wyoming, many Wyoming towns have problems with turkeys. And I don't mean your annoying neighbor. I mean just turkeys in general. Turkeys, most of you know, are not indigenous to Wyoming. They were brought here by people who wanted to hunt turkey. So they released turkeys into the wild so they could later go out and hunt them, right? Now we have turkey issues. And some towns in Wyoming, Casper's one of them, Buffalo's another one, Gillette, Sheridan. There's other towns. It's all over Wyoming. For some reason, certain herds of turkey love to wander into town and hang out. I'm not sure what they're eating, but there's something attractive about living in town. So that's become a problem because turkeys are just jerks. They're aggressive. They're just jerks. They're annoying. They strut around with an entitled attitude as if they own the town. And people would love to just kill them all. For some reason, we're not doing that. Well, if you're in Buffalo, Wyoming, it's now a $750 fine to feed turkeys. Buffalo has had enough. They create all sorts of problems. Even the turkey poop can be toxic to your dog. And, you know, dogs like to eat all sorts of really horrible things. So there's diseases that they carry including influenza, stuff like this. So in Buffalo, Wyoming, they've done things like, look, if you want to put noisemakers out or shoot rocks all at them or whatever the heck to harass them and run them out of town, you go ahead. Buffalo doesn't have a problem with that. But they do have a problem with some people who have been feeding the turkeys. So it's Resolution 1413. According to the mayor, the Turkey Ordinance, which now has a $750 fine in Buffalo if you are caught feeding the turkeys. So wherever you live, whatever town you're listening to me in, if you have a turkey problem in your town, please tell me you're not feeding them because that's part of the reason that they hang out. There's even a video, by the way. On the story that I wrote on the Wake Up Wyoming site about this, which has all the details about the Buffalo Ordinance, there's a video. In Casper, Wyoming, there's several gangs of turkeys. And every so often, these gangs run across each other, and they have a war right in the middle of the street. They just start going after each other. Yeah, that's entertaining anyway. But okay. Game and fish spent several weeks harassing the birds, according to the Buffalo Bulletin. Techniques such as 
loud noisemakers, shooting pellet guns near the birds, and herding them into different locations, hoping to convince them to just not hang around town. But for some reason, they always like to come back into town. Now, they say in the story here, they keep calling it a flock of turkeys. You might have noticed I call it a herd. I spent one time on the air going through a list of every kind. I do like a murder of crows, but there's a school of fish. You know, and there's all sorts of, depending on what kind of animal is what you call a cubby of quails. It just goes on and on and on as to what kind of grouping it is, what you call it. And the list is very long. Every animal has its own name for when they get together in a group. I decided forget that. It's all a herd. I don't even say a school of fish anymore. It's a herd of fish. Everything. So if I see turkeys in a group moving around, that's a herd of turkeys as far as I'm concerned, and I'm just going to call them that because I'm not going to waste my time trying to memorize every little type of animal grouping that's out there. That's just who, who let that get out of control? It's all a herd except for one. I still like a murder of crows. A murder of crows really just sounds far more interesting to me than anything else that I've heard out there as far as other different animal types. So, okay, I don't know if any other Wyoming town, I'd have to look that up to see, does any other Wyoming town have a fine for feeding the turkeys? To my knowledge, which is pretty limited at this point, to my knowledge, that could be the only town, Buffalo, the only town where you you would be fined seven hundred fifty dollars for feeding a herd of turkey in your yard. Here again, some people might look at it and think, "Oh, aren't they sweet?" Not realizing the damage. And to the people out there who, in way back when, who introduced turkeys to the state of Wyoming, oh, you guys are just, you screwed up big time. Six forty-two. Wake up, Wyoming. This weather update. This is Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Be part of the show at 888-97-WOODS. Six forty-eight. the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Off to the icebox we go with Frank Gambino's waiting by. Uh, Frank, I'm going to make you feel a lot older than you already feel. I'm sorry. Well, I don't know how you can do that, but I'll I'll let you try. Okay. Uh, A Jeopardy contestant was asked, you know, they always start the game. Tell us a little bit about yourself, (laughs) right? Okay. And she described herself as an old soul. An old soul? Yeah, because she collects DVDs. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. Really? <laughs> oh, please. What was yeah, she, about 30? Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Um, high school reunion episode. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, uh, let me see. Uh, she's 22 years old. 22, yeah. and she's so, an old soul. Yes. Please, and, please, people like that, shut up. Yes, exactly right. And How did you even get on Jeopardy? I don't, yeah. You have that, to be smart to be get on Jeopardy. Uh, I wonder how many people think of themselves as old souls because they collect CDs. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, think about it. You walk into, I know vinyl's back, record stores oh, are back. Oh, it is. Right, yeah. 
people walk in and they see CDs and they see cassettes and they think of that stuff now as vintage. Yeah. Old soul is eight tracks. <laughs> eight tracks. I would even go back farther than that. To me, an old soul is they had when vinyl records were first coming out. There were the big, thick ones. It would. Yeah, it, they were heavier. Yeah, they were. Yeah. In fact, the big, thick ones, the heavier ones, would only have one song on the side, even though it was much bigger than a forty-five. Hmm. Yeah. I used to have a ton of forty-fives. Oh, no, I, I have a ton of albums in my garage, but they got scratches on them. Oh, okay. All right. So you didn't take care of them very well. Well, they were they weren't even mine to begin with. Oh, okay. Well, but my good the, ones I gave to someone else so that they get actually used because they got a brand new turntable, a brand new one that was wow. made like like last year. Yeah. See, now if you had hung on to that, I know because I know of like uh, for example, there's a it used to be a bookstore in Cheyenne. But now he sells vinyl because books weren't selling that much. People are reading stuff online. But vinyl, wow, that end of his business took off. So he became a record store, and he gets most <laughs> of his stock by turning to people who have a bunch of stuff in their garage. Pretty much. Yeah. And does, so, does he buy that stuff? or is He, is it, uh, he is searches he, online and he, finds for people who are trying to unload, make sure it's of good quality. He purchases and fills his store. And sells so it's, but he you can buy new vinyl too. They're re-releasing oh, yeah. a lot of stuff. Oh yeah, well the state high school indoor track meet concluded on Saturday in Jalada, the boys' side. The Trota won the team championship by a landslide. Jackson Dusher won the 800 and 1600 meter runs with his teammate Tristan Enders taking the 3200. And sees Mason Wycombe won the 55 hurdles. Caden Lee won the high jump and the triple jump. His teammate Bridger Anderson the long jump and Gavin Hoff won the pole vault. Cheyenne East took the four by 200 relay and Cheyenne Central won the 1600 medley. On the girls' side, Sheridan was the team champion individually. Talia Moore of Cheyenne won three events, the 55 meters, the 200 meters, and set a state record in the long jump at 19 feet 2 inches. Cheyenne Central Sydney Morrell won the 800 and 1600. Her teammate Brinkley Green won the pole vault. Mackenzie Bradish of Natrona took first in the triple jump. Kelly Walsh won the 4x200 relay. East won the 4x800 and Central the 1600 medley. In high school basketball, the 3A and 4A state tournament will start on Thursday in Casper. Out of the four Casper teams, just one qualified for state, and that was the Kelly Walsh girls who had the worst record of the four. They will be the number four seed from the West and will play Thunder Basin in the opening round on Thursday at 10.30 in the morning over at Natrona. Out of the six Cheyenne teams, just two qualify for state. Defending 4A girls champion Cheyenne East is in. They're a number two seed, and they will draw Star Valley in the opening round at 4.30 over at Natrona. The Cheyenne East boys also a two seed, and their first round opponent will be Jackson at noon on Thursday at NC. The Laramie boys are in, and they will play Riverton on Thursday at 7.30 at Natrona in that opening round of the 4A state tournament. The state 1A and 2A high school basketball tournament concluded on Saturday in Casper. Burns won their very first state championship in girls basketball knocking off Lingle 48-36. Burns finished the year under 500 at 14-15. and 15. Pine Bluffs repeated as the 2A boys champion with a 49-38 win over Bighorn. Upton won their very first state championship in girls basketball beating Southeast 59-54 for the 1A girls title and Burlington won the 1A boys crown with a 54-35 win over Upton. Men's College basketball. The Wyoming 
Cowboys lost their regular season finale to San Diego State on the road uh, over the weekend, 67-50. So they're 9-21 and overall, 4-14 and in Mountain West Conference play. The Pokes will be the 11th seed at the Mountain West Tournament this week in Las Vegas. They'll play New Mexico on Wednesday at 5 p.m. Wyoming Cowgirls are the number two seed in the Mountain West Conference Tournament. They will play San Jose State tomorrow night at 6 p.m. at the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas. That's it in sports. Okay, so I trust you had a really good weekend then? A lot of basketball. So a yeah. lot of tears. Tears of joy, tears of sorrow, which is the nature of, you know, basketball and, and culminating events at the high school level. Right. Um, a lot of enthusiasm. Okay. A lot of enthusiasm. Well, and that's And that's what you want, that. yes. Yeah. And that's... we'll do it all over again starting on Thursday. All right. So they're not done. When are they done with this? Uh, this will be the last. This, this weekend is the big school. Yeah. State tournament, and then we're done after that. We'll start soccer and track right after that. Okay. Weather permitting. Weather permitting, yeah. In fact, I just recently told someone when I was in Cheyenne on Friday, hey, I'd be happy to come down and do these events for you. Weather permitting. Yes. I'm not even going to chance it. Yes. They didn't argue with me. No, no, no one should. Yeah, thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business, we have to take everyone rolling to news time after that. National, local, update on your weather forecast. Wake up, Wyoming. Seven oh six the time. It is a Monday. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Temperatures in the teens for a good part of Wyoming. Some of you in the single digits, it's going to be cold for a while. You just heard Don Day on your local radio station giving you the weather forecast for your area, your region. He's going to be on with me 745. He's going to talk live about this. And it's just one quickie little storm, and not even big one. We'll see. We'll see. After the next. So you heard that in part in the weather forecast he just gave you. We'll give you the details, 745. All right. So, we've talked before about your energy bills and the efficiency and reliability of energy. Well, here's more. Warning, this show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, Torons, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee, and feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not refer to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call this show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. This is a follow-up on some stories I've been giving you for a little while, but it's, I mean, just the latest. Headline, Cowboy State Daily, new EPA regulations likely to make power grid less stable while making electricity more expensive. Yeah, I, I, I've told you these stories. This is just more information on that. Once again, though, it's government regulations, not even Congress, but government regulators who are writing law. Now, you're told government wants to make energy cleaner and greener to save the planet. Planet does need saving. We're fine. And then they want to make power uh, more sustainable 
They're constantly misusing that word. More reliable and more affordable. And the opposite of all of that is happening. Here's the story. The coal industry is preparing for an onslaught of new EPA regulations over the next several months, likely to speed up the retirement of coal-fired power plants, they hope. This is what their goal is. I'll remind, before I go on, I'll remind people who are trying to do that to give one example. Germany just tried that a while ago, and they're reopening coal plants. So is the U.K., because wind and solar is not reliable in providing the energy necessary. California not only restarted some natural gas power plants, but there's a nuclear power plant in California. I'll get to that in just a bit. Which they wanted to shut down because, you know, nuclear energy. Horrible. Got to put an end to it. And yet, it, if they try to shut this stuff down, they don't have the energy to run their grid. So they keep turning this stuff back on or extending how long it stays open. All right. The story says the rules include what's called the good neighbor provision, which would require upwind states, Wyoming, to ensure that their air pollution doesn't impact downwind states. Researchers say that coming into compliance with the regulations would likely be uneconomical for coal power plants. Travis Detai, executive director of Wyoming Mining Association, told Cowboy State Daily that President Joe Biden has been explicit in his intent to eliminate all or most U.S. coal-fired power plants. The industry, Detai says, has been anticipating a hostile regulatory environment. He can't get it passed through Congress, so even with his Democrats there, he can't get it passed. So he'll do it through regulation, which is, again, passing law. Well, this is just using regulatory apparatus to keep coal in the ground, and it will make less the grid less reliable. Now, pause for just a minute. Those people, and you've heard me say this many times, who want, well, you know, we, we've got to just sequester that CO2 in the ground. Because if we burn coal and then pump the CO2 into the ground and sequester it there, there that makes coal viable again, and they won't be so mad at us for pumping CO2 into the air. Well, again, CO2 is not a pollutant. It's not re We're not in some catastrophic climate change event because of CO2. That's garbage. But also, how's that working for us? As Wyoming looks into the idea of pumping CO2 into the ground, I've said many times, those people who want to keep coal in the ground, they don't care. Go ahead, pump CO2 into the ground. They don't care. They don't want us using coal at all. So according to the economic estimates by... The Rodham Group, independent research provider, 30 gigawatts to 60 gigawatts of coal-fired electrical generation will be taken offline by 2030 if these rules go through. And that's in addition to 60 gigawatts retirement already in the works. There's currently about 220 gigawatts of capacity operating today, supplying about 20% of the nation's electricity. So much of the lost coal-fired electro, uh, electricity generation will be made up for with, they say, wind and solar. But you and I know that's not happening. It's not reliable. And we have proof of that, not just California, but go to, go to Europe where they've tried it. We see the result. The story says problem could become even worse as more people switch to electric cars. 
and natural gas is replaced with all-electric homes. In its 2022 long-term reality assessment, the North American Electric Reliability Corporation, that is a thing, rated most of the West and Midwest an elevated or high risk for inadequacy, resource inadequacy, they call it, during a high-demand period. So, as an example, weather's been really rough this winter, hasn't it? As we switch from La Nina to El Nino from a drought period to a wet period. And now we have all this cold weather and, man, the amount of snow. And, boy, do we really need some electricity that's reliable. And that's not wind and solar. They On the coldest days, they are not providing for you. According to a study released by that organization, which a very large grid serving about 65 million people in the East, meantime, uh, spare power supplies versus peak power demand, yeah, that'll be down by about 26% by 2030, if not more. Paul Boniface, energy consultant who's worked with, uh, in partnership with the University of Wyoming, told Cowboy State Daily that when wind and solar are producing electricity, he said they're cheap and affordable. I would, I would dispute that with him. No, they're not. If it weren't for the heavy subsidies, they're not cheap and affordable. While there are carbon dioxide emissions in the manufacturing of the components and shipping, now he gets into the whole CO2 thing. I'll stop him right there. CO2 is not a problem. He does say, however, the issue with the, he says, renewables, I'll correct that too. These things are not renewable. Isn't that the technology doesn't work? I'll dispute that too. The technology works fine. It's great, he says. The problem is it's, there's no cost-effective way to restore to store the energy. This guy is only partly correct. Energy expert Alex Epstein calculated how much it would take to store enough energy in batteries to power the globe for three days. Based on the price of uh, Tesla Megapacks, it would cost about $590 trillion to store up enough energy for just a few days which is six times the global GDP, and batteries have to repla- be replaced regularly. Okay, so Dan Kish, he's a senior fellow with the Institute of Energy Research, nonprofit doing research on government regulations and global energy markets. He also spoke with Cowboy State Daily. Federal agencies should be alarmed that studies showing increasing grid instability is happening. They're just ignoring the danger. Quote, they've all drunk the Kool-Aid, and they just keep taking us down that road, he said. Mixing metaphors, but I'll let him get away with it. He said the newest regulations are part of a strategy that seeks to place expensive rules, therefore pricing coal out of business. There's no way that coal companies, that uh, coal power plants can possibly comply with these rules. It's too expensive. And so they end up closing down the coal plants. And so this morning, where I'm at right now, it's 15 degrees. In fact, it was, that's actually better. When I got here this morning, it was like negative 13. Yeah, it was pretty cold. And I knew damn well it was not wind and solar keeping me warm throughout the day. A January study by Energy Innovation and Renewable Advocacy and Climate Policy Think Tank 
found that uh, the only coal-fired power plant in the United States that's cheaper to operate, they say, than coal to replace wind is Dry Fork Station, about 10 miles north of Gillette. Again, I dispute that. Um, wind and solar is not cheaper. It's not. It's heavily subsidized, which makes it cheaper. Take away the subsidies and, well... All right, so here, that's just more add that to the list of information about how they're trying to put uh, coal out of business and natural gas too and replace it with something that is not affordable, not re- reliable, not even renewable, especially when you think of the rare earth minerals. They're burying um, wind blades, wind turbine blades, the list goes on. Does that sound renewable to you? 717 Wake Up Wyoming. Listen anywhere and chat live with Glenn during the show on AM 1030 K2 Radio. Seven twenty-three is the time Wake Up Wyoming. So I just gave you the latest story of how... EPA is trying to go all, well, they're trying to push regulations to just finish off coal power plants altogether. And so for those people who keep saying we need to sequester CO2 to help keep our coal power plants open, obviously that's not working, so just give up. Just just quit. Because they don't care if we pump CO2 into the ground or not. They want to stop the use altogether of coal power plants. So I just went through all of that. Now, again, this is EPA regulations. The president can't get this through Congress. So even with Democrats there, he can't get this through Congress when Democrats had the House and Senate. So instead, he's just doing it through the EPA and regulations. Now, once again, the EPA is not... um, a lawmaking body, but they've been given that authority. Rianne from Fort Dangerous, so why does anyone comply with the EPA when they aren't lawmakers? Yeah, And then she goes on to say, I don't see how this will work. And if the grid fails, they'll probably won't care and will still uh, won't turn on coal plants. Well, I do think they will turn back on the coal plants because let's take a look once again what happened in Europe and even in California. When people st- people will get really upset when their electricity prices get to the point that nobody can afford it anymore, and when electricity is not available, we have blackouts, brownouts to the extreme. They want everybody driving around electric cars, but they're not going to give us anything to give us reliable electricity to charge those electric cars. How exactly is that supposed to work? So it's not going to work out for them the way they see. These people, again, they're inept, corrupt fools. But let's go back to the EPA question. So why do people listen if the EPA is not a lawmaking body? Why do we listen when they make laws? Okay, well, this is because of your Congress. Congress, when they write a law, it's very rarely a law. It's more like an outline. They will write an outline instructing the EPA to do something. You cause this to happen. Whatever that might be. We want the EPA to make this happen. So, EPA, you write the rules and regulations to make it happen. That just gave the EPA the authority to write law. 
And so now they sit there in their offices, these bureaucrats, writing one law after the next without Congress. And that gives the president the power to say, hey, EPA, since the president's in charge of the EPA at the executive branch, I want you to write this and that. And, you know, they constantly take a look at what the directive was given by Congress and they find clever little ways to mold it and expand it to mean more than it was originally intended to mean. And when the EPA and other agencies like it get taken to court, the Supreme Court will say, well, Congress gave that authority by law to the EPA, so they're allowed to do it now. If you think it, though, you might as well just take your whole Constitution and throw it into the garbage can. Might as well just go ahead. Because no longer are we a country, a republic, that makes its laws to our elected officials. Those elected officials have given the power to the bureaucracy. Now, the same problem has happened here in Wyoming many years ago. We almost in Wyoming lost our, uh, for those of us who like to go to uh, buy raw vegetables and fruits in our farmer's markets, we almost lost that. And that's because the Wyoming legislative body wrote a law uh, saying to the bureaucracy, basically, we want to make sure that Wyoming food is safe. So write the rules to make that happen. And it got out of hand real fast as bureaucrats just kept writing more and more and more and more rules. And eventually, we almost lost our farmer's markets. In fact, there's a few restaurants in Wyoming who like to grow food in the back of the restaurant. They have a a nice garden back there. And they'll go ahead and grow the food and then bring it into the restaurant. And that's that's your salad and that's your sides when you have side dishes on your plate. Reached a point where they almost weren't allowed to do that. Part of the reason Wyoming came up with the Wyoming Food Freedom Act, which a lot of other states are mirroring, which got rid of that whole idea uh, throughout the law. But one of the things I was complaining to lawmakers at the time is take a look at what you're doing. We got into that mess because you turned over the authority for writing the law to the bureaucrats. And they can go ahead and write the law because you gave them the authority to do it. Quit doing that. What you do instead is write the law as the lawmakers write the law, hand it to the bureaucracy and say, now enforce this. Don't write more rules. No more rulemaking. Just enforce what we told you. Get rid of the entire rulemaking process by the bureaucracy. Now, oftentimes when I talk to either members of Congress in D.C. or local members of the Wyoming House and Senate, and I explain what I just explained to you, but that it doesn't work that way. How are we supposed to... And there's part of the problem. They think that that's the way it's supposed to work. You give the authority to the bureaucrats, and they're the ones who come. That's what they actually think we're supposed to be doing. And they're confounded by the idea of, you mean I have to write the whole law myself? Yes, you do. Do not give that authority to the bureaucrats. You see what happens and how quickly it gets out of control. Coming up on 730, local news coming your way right after local news update on your weather forecast. And you and I get back into it. Also, a Wyoming legislative update. It's Wake Up, Wyoming.
hear never boring. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Join the show at 888-97-WOODS. 736 to time. Wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Time to pick on California. Who doesn't love to do this? Eh? Ladies and gentlemen, the Babylon Bee. All the streets are brown, and the teachers gay. I went for a walk, got mugged along the way. Yeah, I'd be safe from harm if I moved from LA. find up on YouTube, which is worth watching. They did a great video with that. Okay, California High Speed Reel. Remember that? Boondoggle? And it keeps getting to be a bigger boondoggle. In fact, the guy who proposed it and sold it to California has, for the past several years, been saying people, never mind. Forget it. Just forget it. Just never mind. Because, again, corruption. Incompetency. Here's the latest Headline, California high-speed rail costs going up again, and projected ridership is going down. High-speed rail authority officials on Thursday, just this past Thursday, could not provide an estimated completion date for the original vision pitched to voters and said the price tag is now $128 billion. That's a 13% increase from last year's projection. And the mass, I mean, you think about what they originally said it was going to cost and what they say it's going to cost now. Now they're up to $128 billion? Construction is currently focused on a segment of the Central Valley in a 170-mile stretch between Bakersfield and I think it's Mercedes, how they pronounce that. Project officials say last year estimated that the route would be ready for riders by 2030. Now... 2033. Although there isn't an exact timeline for the entire project to get done, Los Angeles to San Francisco project leaders noted an environmental review for 422 of the 500 miles has been completed. Oh, it's taken them this long just to do an environmental review? Hang on, we got to do more of this next hour. Here's our man in Cheyenne, Doug Randall. This one in Woods. Did you just hit the snooze? Really? This is AM 1030, K2 Radio. 7.45 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Off we go to talk to Don Day with Day Weather. So you, you've warned us, Don. It's cold out there. 
Yeah, it is cold and uh, people are running out of patience because this is the time of year when it shouldn't be so cold. Right. Okay. So we've already gone through the reasons why, but now comes when I was nagging about this last week. So when it comes to snowfall amounts, I know we're going to get it sort of on and off, right? But do you... Yeah, the next three days for sure. Um, we, We basically were in the same pattern we were last week. Little systems... Coming off the West Coast, kind of like a shotgun. You know, we get get a shot or two of these, and then they just come on through. But a bigger piece is going to come through as we get into Wednesday night and Thursday. Okay. Uh, define bigger piece, or do you have an explanation yet? Because you're scaring me. Well, bigger piece uh, in terms of covering a little bit of a larger area with a better oh, chance for okay. widespread snow. Now, it's part of this storm that's stalled in, in Washington State right now that's just feeding us these occasional snow showers and feeding this cold air into the region. It looks like, however, Glenn, this system is going to really get itself better organized once it gets east of Wyoming. Um, I think North Dakota, South Dakota, parts of Nebraska, Minnesota, Iowa, that's where the storm is really going to get itself put together. However, I do see the northeast corner of the state, uh, the I-90 stretch, Gillette, over to Sundance, on the way to Rapid City, um, those areas, uh, late Wednesday night into Thursday, I, I think are headed towards some moderate to heavy snowfall. The rest of the state will see some snow, but more in the way of this scattered light snow pattern that we've seen here lately. Okay, and you were talking about on your uh, Cowboy State Daily podcast, there's some system that's just spinning off of Washington State, and it just keeps breaking off pieces and shooting them at us. Yeah, yeah, it's like a pea shooter. Okay, and how long is that going to last? You know, it's interesting that we've been talking about blocking patterns. Yeah. um, And right now it's blocked from really going anywhere. So what it's doing is it's just a big vortex of cold, moist air that's spinning counterclockwise. And it's going to sit there until this bigger piece pushes out Wednesday night and Thursday. And then eventually, okay, the rest of it is going to come through probably sometime next week. Probably. There's a lot of probabilities and eventuallys in there. In the weather business? Yes, that's that's how it is. All right. Thank you, Don. Appreciate it. All right. Well, now you know we're going to get these little off and on snow showers and it's going to stay cold for a while. And yeah, people getting kind of annoyed with the whole thing. Off we go to the icebox to talk to Frank Gambino. Okay, Frank. So nothing major is what that sounds like, but it's just kind of annoying. Well, good. I mean, okay. uh, light snow we can deal with, you know. Yeah. It will, we'll, we'll be fine. Yeah. Everything will go on. It will, Despite yeah. everything else. I still want to find Punxsutawney Phil and strangle him. Is that okay? It, you know what? Yeah. Th- th- those are so irrelevant. Yeah, I, I know. But <laughs> I, mean, they, I mean, they really are. I mean, they should stop. Well, it, especially because he's mostly wrong all of the time. Oh, well, yeah, and the other chipmunk yeah. that's in Pennsylvania. Right. And then we have one here in Wyoming, too. Yeah, which, yeah. Uh, uh, but, well, Phil, I'll believe. Phil, you'll the be. other one, I think, is it's overhyped by the media. Stop. Right. Stop. Okay. Even yeah. even in movies. Yeah. Stop. Oh, yeah, not, no, you're talking about Phil. Punxsutawney Phil is the one that they've overhyped, especially because of the movie Groundhog Day. Yeah. That really made it a big deal there. But still, it would make me feel better to strangle him nonetheless. Well. Even though it doesn't actually do anything. No, that's no? the thing. No, okay, that would be, okay, that's, uh, so, okay, uh, that doesn't really, from the sounds of it, affect any of the events that you have coming up, and it sounds to me like it's going to be really busy for a while for you. Okay, now we'll start on Thursday again here yeah. in Casper. With right. With the State 3A and 4A high school basketball tournament. That means what, you know, 
Yeah. A lot of schools will the be here schools. again. And the roads, I was just on the roads this weekend. They're okay by Wyoming standards for this time of year. Not great, not bad. Not great, not bad. Just be very cautious while you're out there. They're okay. And it's going to stay that way according to the forecast I've been watching. So everybody who's trying to get somewhere in the state of Wyoming over the next uh, week to 10 days or so, just keep that in mind. Roads are okay. Okay. That's about it. Uh, 80 still sucks, but that's... Well, that, that, that that's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That really is, yeah. I'm actually kind of surprised when 80 is open. Even in July. Yes. Uh, yeah. I wrote an article a while back that uh, wide, a satirical. YDOT has decided just to not no longer tell us when it's closed. They'll tell us when it's open. <laughs> okay. That right. would save them a whole lot more time and save us a whole lot more aggravation. It's open. I can go for it. Although, I got to ask you, Frank, if they did announce that all of I-80 was open... Would you trust it enough to take it? I don't know. You know what? You know what the problem is, Glenn. Yeah. The roads that lead to I eighty okay. are they open uh, to get to I eighty? Probably. And and for those people who live in Medicine Bow and Hannah, God bless you. Oh, indeed. State High School indoor track meet concluded on Saturday in Gillette on the boys' side. Uh, Natrona won the team championship with a land, by a landslide. Jackson Dutcher won the 800 and 1600 with his teammate Tristan Enders winning the 3200. NC's Mason Wycombe won the 55 hurdles. Caden Lee won two events, the high jump and the triple jump. NC's Bridger Anderson the long jump and Kevin Hoff won the pole vault. And Cheyenne East won the 4x200 relay. Cheyenne Central won the 1600 medley. On the girls' side, Sheridan was the team champion. Individually, Tali Morris from Cheyenne East won three events, the 55 meters, the 200 meters, and set a state record in the long jump at 19 feet 2 inches. Cheyenne Central Sydney Morrell won the 800 and 1600. Her teammate Brinkley Green took the first in the pole vault. Mackenzie Bradish of the Toronto placed first in the triple jump. Kelly Walsh won the 4x200 relay. East won the 4x800 and Central won the 1600 medley. In high school basketball, the 3A and 4A state tournament will start on Thursday in Casper. Out of the four Casper teams, just one qualified for state, and that was the Kelly Walsh girls who had the worst record of the four. They will be the number four seed from the West and will play Thunder Basin in the opening round on Thursday at 10.30 in the morning over at Natrona. Out of the six Cheyenne teams, just two qualify for state. Defending 4A girls state champion Cheyenne East is in. They're a two seed. They'll draw Star Valley in the opening round at 4.30 at Natrona. The Cheyenne East boys also a two seed and their first round opponent will be Jackson at noon on Thursday. And see the Laramie boys, they're also in and they will play Riverton on Thursday at 7.30 also at Natrona. State 1A and 2A high school basketball tournament concluded on Saturday in Casper. Burns won their very first state championship in girls basketball as they knocked off Lingo 48-36. Burns finished the year under 500-14-15. Pine Bluffs repeated as the 2A boys champion and with a 49-38 win over Bighorn. Upton won their very first girls state championship in girls basketball beating Southeast 59-54 in 1A and also in 1A on the boys side Burlington defeated Upton 54-35 for that championship. In men's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowboys lost their regular season finale to San Diego State on the road over the weekend, 67 to 50. So they're nine and 21 overall. A paltry four and 14 in Mountain West Conference play. Pokes will be the 11th seed in the Mountain West Conference tournament this week in Las Vegas. They'll play New Mexico on Wednesday at 5 p.m. The Wyoming Cowgirls are the number two seed in the Mountain West Conference tournament, and they will host, they will play San Jose State tomorrow night at 6 p.m. from the Thomas and Mack Center. That's and in sports. While you were talking, I was looking at Wild Preps once again. Yes, I like that. There's so many parents and other people who attend these events who send you pictures. They're the, the, the bombs yeah. are the backbone oh, yeah. of high school athletics. So if you want to see galleries of everything that uh, has happened, 
And then get ready for the galleries of the stuff that's coming your way. Wild Preps. It's free to download at your app store. It's, right? That's right, Glenn. That's right, yeah. It's free. Download that sucker and watch and read about all the action. You betcha. Thank, thank you. Thank you for the promotion. Yeah, absolutely. Coming up on... Well, that's how you keep uh, track of high school sports if you want to in the state of Just Wild Preps at your app store. Free to download. There's all the information, pictures, stories, all of that right there. Coming up on some local business that we have to take care of. We're going to roll into news time after that. And then I went ahead. I wasn't going to do this, but I went ahead and looked up California high-speed rail is even more behind schedule and the price is going up and there's going to be fewer riders. And so I looked a few things up on this. It is a great illustration on incompetency and corruption. So wake up, Wyoming. You wash your hands. Six of time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. A lot of you are in the teens temperature-wise right now. Negative numbers when I first arrived to work this morning, so that's a big improvement. You heard Don Day's weather forecast, so yeah, we'll be cold for a little while here. All right, open phones. We'll, we'll do that in just a few minutes from now. Because there was something that I started on last hour and then thought, no, I need more time. We should pick this apart. And it's fine fun to do this first thing on a Monday morning because we get to pick on California. California The Babylon Bee here with their song Wish We All Could Leave California. This is brilliant. So I was talking about high-speed rail with all of this, and I decided to go back a little bit. See, because the price tag for high-speed rail has just gone up again. And the length of time to get the project done has been extended. And now California is saying, and the number of riders they expect is going way down. All right, so let's take a look at this. Uh, 1992, Governor Jerry Brown advocated... For a high-speed rail system. His first two items as governor when he was elected in 1992. At the federal level in 1992, the San Francisco-Los Angeles Rail Corridor was proposed. So that's when they started this, 1992. 1996, California High-Speed Rail Authority was established. All right, And they hoped to have this done. It was on the ballot in order to get this done. They had, for so much money, and I'll get to how much, they had scheduled to be put before the voters in a general election, and that was put back and put back. And finally, in 2008, 53% of voters said, yes, the high-speed rail in California. And they issued bonds. The cost of this was supposed to be $9 billion. That was the cost. So now we're underway, right? And they were expected to get done by about, um, let me see, 2017, I think is when they were supposed to get done by with this whole thing. 
All right. All right. So now they're saying 2033. And that price and the length of time just keeps going up and up and up. I'm By 2022, the cost was up to $34 billion. All right. So the latest that I have here, let's see, back up to the price that they have. They're now up to $128 billion. So from $9 billion up to $128 billion is now the estimated cost. And they're currently working on a 170-mile stretch somewhere in the middle there. You know, this thing never actually gets up to – well, there's one little place where they actually get up to full speed to be considered high-speed rail. Other than that, it mostly is never high-speed rail. It's Other than that, it's just a train most of the way. One little stretch, they get up to high speed. Doesn't last very long. And to ride is going to be kind of expensive. And again, the latest estimate, 2033, is when they say they want to get this done. Now, according to the author of the article in front of me, in case you've forgotten, the entire project was originally pitched to voters for about uh, $9 billion, then it was $33 billion. Now, again, we're up to $128 billion. And the first section, still 7 to 10 years away. The first section, the first section, still 7 to 10 years away from being completed. The line from L.A. to San Francisco doesn't even have a projected deadline anymore. They took that away. There was a deadline for completion. It was all supposed to be completed by now, but they don't even have a deadline for completion now. Although there is an exact timeline, the story says, for completion, the full project between Los Angeles and San Francisco, the leaders, they, they just completed an environmental review. So think about when I said they were going to start this, when they, way back when. They just completed the environmental review. Now, I'm going to take a bet here that their environmental review is not done. There's going to be protests and lawsuits, and they're going to have to continue doing the environmental review. This author says, call me crazy, but a project without a deadline is a project people don't really believe in. The other issue raised by the new report involves ridership. Obviously, you don't spend this kind of money unless a lot of people are going to be riding it, right? Well... Changing commuter patterns, and they talk about COVID-19, all sorts of other reasons why ridership is expected to be way down. In a report due to the state legislative body in California, Wednesday, California High-Speed Rail Authority unveiled the latest incarnation of ridership projections. Now, I always call those projections optimistic. They always do that. It's always optimistic way overinflating. But still, for the first interim operating segment of the electric bullet train, which will never reach bullet speed, the numbers represent a significant drop in operations for reality. The overall expected ridership is they wanted like about 8.8 .8 million passengers per year. Now they're down to 6.6 .6 million. Now, that's quite a big jump there, or I should say dip, from 8.8 .8 million. We expect 8.8 .8 million people to ride this every single year. Now they're down to 6.6 .6 million. What do you want to bet? They never even get to that because they always overinflate these numbers. Now, that's a 25% drop from the previous projections. 
the Fresco B, which sounds like something you would eat, but it's a newspaper, made this chart showing, I'm looking at their projections in decline, and when you see it on a chart, it really is, all right, it's it's impressive to see how little they expect now. And I again, they're not even going to get the $6.6 million a year. The state was warned repeatedly that its plans were too complex. French National Railroad was among bullet train operators in Europe and Japan that came to California in the early 2000s in the hope of getting a contract to develop the system. The company's recommendation for a direct route from Los Angeles to San Francisco were cast aside at the time. And some of these companies pulled out saying, you know, it's not a good idea for you guys to do this. Quote, there were so many things that went wrong. Mr. McNamara, who was uh, very angry, he was told the state they were leaving for, oh, they were trying to do this now in North Africa. They were, they were not going to do this in California. These people who had built high-speed rail before. Developers were struck by labor deals for the construction of the plane, uh, the, whole, the whole train thing. Between Southern California and even even one between Southern California and Las Vegas. Now you got to get into unions and so on. The system will depart from San Bernardino, California, the one that they want to go to the Vegas Strip. That'll cost about $10 billion and expect it to create about 35,000 jobs. I think that's actually a private one, though. It might be. I'll have to check that. A 200-mile-per-hour trip to Vegas sounds like a good idea for several reasons. There isn't much to see between the two, and a lot of people want to go to Vegas to party. And that might actually be, again, I'll look that up. That might actually be a private project. But even the person, the guy who created this whole rail idea and sold California on it, even he has pulled out and said, forget it. It's filled with just ineptitude, corruption. These people have no idea what they're doing. Oh, hang on a second here. I was about to um, jump to a break here, but no, 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 no. This is too important. Got to get this out of the way so it's safe for the rest of us to go outside for the rest of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Jude is on the phone. Morning, Jude. Good morning. I can do almost one better than that of California. Uh, Let's go back March 2021. The airport is uh, going to lose Sky West, and they're one flight a day that goes to Utah. Right. Cape Salt Lake. Right. Uh, here it is, what is it, March of 2023. Well, 2021, it was, they needed $453 million of our tax dollars to continue those flights to Utah. Here it is, March 2023. They now need $818 million to continue that one flight on SkyWest to Utah. Right. <laughs> Cancel the flight. So he's doubled in a year, and the county commissioners are going to be hearing it Tuesday night, and they're probably going to approve it because God knows we have Rob Hendry on the airport board out there, and the airport just can't survive without our tax dollars. Right. 
Now, I am in total favor of, and I know some people would disagree because they like to have. I even use, when I fly, let's say, see my sister in Florida, yeah, I'll fly out of Casper. It's just much more convenient to go ahead and do that. But I hate the fact that anything is subsidized. It shouldn't be. Either they can make it or they can't. We're talking a pretty big subsidize. That's for yeah. six months. Yeah. $800 million for six months. I say, you know what? Fly to Denver and then fly anywhere you need to go. All right. Thank you, Jude. Let's wake up, Wyoming. This morning. Start the morning. News, weather, and a pocket full of opinions. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Eight twenty-two is the time. It's wake up, Wyoming. I pick up a little bit of on Judy's uh, because she did make an excellent point, and she does a lot of the time. So, all right, let's take a look at. I'm not in favor of subsidies for things. Here's the difference, and I've explained this before. There's a difference between a tax break and a subsidy. A tax break means the company already earned the money. They did business. They did it honestly. That money is theirs. And if they're going to hire new employees, repair old equipment, buy new equipment, things like that, then we give them a tax break to make it easier for them to do that because it helps us economically, right? That's a tax break. A subsidy, because you see, that's their money to begin with. We're just not going to take what was already theirs, their money. A subsidy is when government comes along and takes money from the taxpayers and gives it to a company. And they say, well, it's for the public good. Well, not always. As we've been through many times on this program, that's not always the case. That is for the public good. Now, when it comes to flying out of Wyoming, which uh, on occasion I do, and I tell you what I do, though, is I've started to really take a look at when I fly because the last time I flew to Florida to visit my family there, I went between holidays, and the tickets were so dirt cheap. I, you know, you you would think I would feel guilty because of the price that was so dirt cheap. I didn't feel guilty, but anyway. So if you're going to travel somewhere like that, cross country, go in the off 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 season. And you can save a lot of money to do it. But right now, airplane tickets are really expensive. But I always fly out of where I am. If I'm in Cheyenne, I fly out of Cheyenne to go to Denver. To go. If I'm in Casper, I'll fly out of Casper to go to Denver to take the flight to wherever. And it just you – know, some people will say to me, but if you drove, you'd save so much money. Yeah, but I'm not saving a whole lot of time in most cases. And it's just a lot less hassle, the gas, the price of parking – I'd rather just not, okay? I'll just go ahead and and fly out of there. The only thing that I don't like that irritates me is I know that I'm doing something that's subsidized. And my thought is, well, it's there anyway. They're spending the money whether I like it or not. So I might as well go ahead and – that's my money they're spending whether I like it or not. So I might as well go ahead and do it. But I hate the idea of the subsidies. Now, some people would say, well, I think now, let's take the – the Cheyenne Airport and the Casper Airport. Wouldn't those airports go away? Well, first off, they have a lot of general aviation, private pilots. That helps keep them going. Both places have a lot of air traffic that goes through from military airplanes that are refueling, corporate jets that are refueling. Wyoming is a center place for air travel. 
a lot of planes stop and refuel and move on, especially corporate jets, military jets, stuff like that. All sorts of things come in and out. Also, when it comes to firefighting, Wyoming, those airports tend to be a really good place for them to, and other airports in Wyoming that are of a larger size, although the two I'm mentioning are the biggest. But those uh, two airports of the largest size, a great place to stage for firefighting. So there's all sorts of other ways, cargo flights going through, FedEx, UPS, flights like that go through and stage out of there. So they do get a lot of business besides commercial flights. Those two big airports do more than just commercial flights. Now, there's a lot of small areas around Wyoming, like if you go up to uh, Gillette, Sheridan, Cody, places like that. They would love to have their uh, commercial flights out of there as well, but they're not going to be able to do it unless they subsidize it. From the airline point of view, the airline is losing money if they try just to fly passengers. It doesn't make financial sense to do it. So the local towns around Wyoming, if they're able to, will give the airline a guarantee. You're going to make so much money per year. If you don't make that much money, we will cover the extra. Cheyenne did that just recently, just a few years back. They got an airline in there with that kind of a guarantee. You're going to get so many passengers per flight. You're going to fill that airplane. And if you're losing money on it, if you fall short because you're not getting enough passengers, we will fill the cost. That's how most towns around Wyoming do it. Now, on the other hand, when I look at this, you know, as much as I'd like just to, again, I hate subsidies. I'd like to just to eliminate them. That makes a lot of people say, well, then what do you do for all of this? The airport will close. Not necessarily. Because even the smaller areas around Wyoming, the smaller towns, still have local general aviation If they have fuel, they have other types of airplanes that stop there. In many cases, small airports can be self-supporting. They're just not going to provide the commercial flights that a lot of you would like to see. And so then you think, well, if I want to take a commercial flight, i got to drive all the way to Denver. Well, I know this sounds cold-hearted, but it's what I've said to a lot of issues like this in living in Wyoming. We chose to live here. And if we choose to live way out here, then that's going to be part of the issue with living way out here. We have to find a way to make it commercially viable, okay, or I guess we can't have it. And if you want to know why I don't want all those subsidies, I just got done with the opening segment of this hour, going through the whole bit with California high-speed rail and what a boondoggle, to say the least, that has turned out to be. That's one of my primary examples of why I don't want to see all those kinds of subsidies for things. Make it commercially viable on its own or don't have it. We'll do open phones. In the next segment's a nice long segment. We'll do open phones there. 888 woods phone number 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. Local news coming your way right after local news update on your weather forecast. And you and I get back into it. It's Wake Up Wyoming.
on K2 Radio. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. Eight thirty six the time. It's Wake Up, Wyoming. All right, let's do this. Triple eight ninety seven Woods is the phone number. Eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. Warning: Wake Up, Wyoming is about to enter daily open phones. This means that anyone will be allowed to call in and talk about anything. I mean, imagine if we actually allowed you on air to say anything you wanted. Scary, right? Well, we're just that brand of crazy. If you are offended by what other people think, then maybe you want to tune out right about now. Just saying. If you should choose to call, just remember, the more funny and interesting you are, the longer Glenn will keep you on the line. Obnoxious jerks will be hung up on. (coughs) Dave, (coughs) all right, strap in and let's do this thing. Triple eight ninety seven Woods, the phone number. That's eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. Talk about what I'm talking about. Change the subject. Fine by me. Jill Biden, wife of the president, poor woman, says competency tests for old politicians is ridiculous. Oh, God. I would like a competency test for new politicians, not just the old ones. Come on. A lot of these people are just flat out incompetent and completely unqualified for what they're trying to do. I don't want just competency tests for old politicians. New one, too. All right. CNN, the story says, heavily promoted its primetime special event, Jill Biden Abroad. This is why CNN has such lousy ratings, by the way. Which aired Tuesday night. Did you know about it? Of course not. During the interview, the First Lady dismissed the idea that politicians 75 years old and older should take a competency test. The idea was brought forth by GOP presidential primary candidate Nikki Haley. Jill's response was to tell the interview to look at the great job Joe Biden's doing. (laughs) It's okay. Well, she has to say that. She's the wife, right? She probably believes it, too, because she's incompetent. I mean, to stay married to that guy for that much time, what kind of a person do you have to be, right? All right, so she sends Elizabeth Wilson vibes, the mantra, Democrats. Okay, let's get to the point of this. As Joe Biden prepares for the possible 2024 presidential campaign of her husband, citing his recent travel schedule reflective of his stamina. How many 30-year-olds could travel to Poland, get on a train, go nine more hours, go to Ukraine, meet with the president there, Zelensky, she said. So look at the man. What's he doing? Okay, hang on a second. All right. And so he gets on Air Force One, and he goes to Poland. He sleeps the entire way. No big deal there, right? Then he gets off at Poland and gets on the train from Poland to the Ukraine, That's nine more hours. He sleeps the entire way. Not hard. Gets up, changes his depends, and heads at well, and then uh, heads to meet with President Lewinsky and has a couple of speeches he gives, and then sleeps all the way home, train and plane again. 
So the story says most 30-year-olds would have had uh, physical stamp, would never have, or would have had the physical stamina to do that. What's she talking about? Does anyone think that he didn't rest the whole way? See, even the author of this article thinks he slept the whole way. One problem, the story says, for Joe Biden is that he doesn't look like he's working each and every day. He has spent about 40% of his presidency out of the White House time off. He heads out of the White House on Friday afternoons early, doesn't return from Delaware or Camp David until Monday afternoon, really late, according to his staff. Jim is in Casper. Hello, Jim. Hey, I got a question on this uh, light rail in California. We know they're not going to use wood, coal, oil, anything like that. So I'm going to assume that... (laughs) <laughs> Since they haven't got enough ferry dust to run right. it, yes. they're going to use electricity. Yes. What do you think the effect is, will be on the grid in Southern California? I got to see. Okay, um, I haven't done this in a long time, and I'd like to start bringing this back. I used to give away a brilliant moment award, Jim. This is your brilliant moment. Uh, it is now eight forty-one wow. on a Monday. If you go ahead, are you married, Jim? I was. My wife died. Okay, okay. Because I always say to men who are married that if you need me to tell your wife that you had a brilliant moment because she's not going to believe you, I would be happy to do that. If I could send you a certificate, I would. (laughs) No, that's okay. Well, here's why. um, This is supposed to be an all-electric train, right? They're telling people in California... That sometimes, please don't charge your electric cars because we don't have enough power to do it. So how are they planning to power the electric train? Exactly. Yes. (laughs) And on the other end, let's assume that uh, a big assumption going out on a limb here. Yeah. They actually get the thing built and it's running. Yeah. Um, What happens when you've got a... Even 10 people on this stupid thing. Yeah. And the grid crashes. Yep. And they're out in the middle of nowhere in some desert part of California and need to be rescued. Yeah, exactly. That that is... The whole thing is one of the most profoundly stupid ideas I've ever heard of. Exactly right. Now, if they had a bunch of coal-fired power plants in California, or nuclear power plants, and they were going to power it that way and keep the grid running, then I could see that the thing would actually run. It's never going to be a high-speed rail, but at least the train, the electric train, would run. But since they want to go all wind and solar, there's absolutely no way. Yeah, but you said if, and as I've heard before, if cows could fly, everybody Uh would carry umbrellas. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Love your call, Jim. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. If cows could fly, everybody would carry umbrella. It would have to be a reinforced umbrella, too, because for those people who have been around cows, you know that if a cow lets a cow pie go way up in the air, just some umbrella is not going to be enough. But he brings out a really great point. I would actually said it, and... The thought was in the back of my mind, but I didn't bring it forward. It was Jim who did it. This California bullet train is supposed to be an electric train. Okay. They want to go all electric with this thing. 
Currently in California, they have blackouts and brownouts, and they tell people during those peak times, don't charge your electric car. The grid doesn't have the power for it. Please don't do that. Then how exactly do they plan to run this electric train, this so-called bullet train? It's not going to be possible. Not unless... They want to bring back coal, natural gas, nuclear power. If they want to go ahead and do that, then they could actually let the thing run. So here in California, let's, let's review this. Wind and solar already has failed for them. So they've had to leave a nuclear power plant running and bring back online natural gas plants. All right. Now they want everybody driving an electric car and they want an electric train. And they think they're going to power this with just wind and solar. 845, Wake Up Wyoming. Sometimes the best the same. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Join in at 888-97-WOODS. It's a time off to the icebox we go. Frank Gambino's waiting by. You might know about this story, Frank. I just came across a headline. Championship Cowboys win Wyoming Desert into collegiate. Uh, golf. Yes. Okay. Okay. Wyoming Cowboys entered Friday's final round of Wyoming Desert intercollegiate with a six-stroke lead. Never relinquished uh, that lead on the way to a three-stroke victory over Fresno. Okay, l- l- let's be be clear on one thing. Okay, they did not play that golf tournament in Laramie. No, no, no. They, they they played it somewhere that has actual spring. Yes, yes, they and, had to. And, Let me see. And, and Palm con- Desert, California. Yeah, conditions that are yes conducive to yes golf. The golf course across from my house. No way. <laughs> no. <laughs> just not happening. Matter yeah. of fact, the golf course ac- across the street from yours is more apt for, like, snowmobiling. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, and people do. And, oh, wait, actually. Okay, so you know the condition of the golf course and across from my house right now is just, well, where's the golf course? Right? Yeah. But there was a little bit of gla- a grass out there because the wind blew enough snow away that grass is actually visible. And so on Sunday... I saw a guy climb over the fence with golf clubs. Oh, he played? Walk through hip-deep snow. I mean, Frank, hip-deep. <laughs> that is dedication. I think yes. what happened was the wind finally died down. And so it's calm enough, and there's a little bit of green out there. And he's trying to get up on everybody else for when the golf season finally does open up in Wyoming. He went through the, the snowdrift. Yes, uh, that <laughs> I just, just, that is somebody who's really yeah. bored and they and, and it's cabin fever. Is like I, oh, I'm God. done. That screwed. I'm going out to play golf. I don't care. <laughs> you know, I played golf on um, Christmas Day, yeah. but in, in Chicago. I mean, it was cold. Uh, yeah, I mean, but but yeah. not cold, cold. Right. You know, th- there's some hardy souls out there when for, for golf. What is the strongest Wyoming wind you've ever played golf in? Probably about 45. Really? And I only played like three holes. Okay, but know. was it kind of fun to watch your ball just kind of go off to the... I mean, you may have hit a perfectly straight shot, but it wouldn't let you. Well, if you were with the wind, yeah, 
you felt like a pro, like oh a my PGA Lord, pro. Yeah. yeah. And when you were against the wind, yeah. you, you felt like quitting. Yeah, you hit the ball and it winds up behind you. I mean, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that's that's what it looks like. That's why golf balls wind up in, in <laughs> yes. on my lawn. <laughs> yeah, Frank. and they're mine, by the way. The state high school indoor track meet concluded on Saturday in Gillette on the boys' side. The Toronto won the team championship by a landslide. Jackson Dutcher won the 800 and 1600 meters with his teammate Tristan Enders taking the 3200 3, meter run. And NCAA board winners Mason Wykeman the 55 hurdles. Caden Lee won the high jump and the triple jump. Berger Anderson the long jump. Kevin Hoff won the pole vault. Cheyenne East was the state champion in the two, uh, 4 by 200 relay. And Cheyenne Central won the 1600 medley. On the girls' side, Sheridan was the team champion. Individually, Talia Morris of Cheyenne East won three events, the 55 meters, the 200 meters, and set a state record in the long jump at 19 feet 2 inches. Cheyenne Central Sydney Morrell won the 800 and 1600. Her teammate Brinkley Green took first in the pole vault. Mackenzie Bradditch of Natrona placed first in the triple jump. Kelly Walsh won the 4x200 relay. East won the 4x800. Central won the 1600 medley. In high school basketball, the 3A and 4A state tournament will start on Thursday in Casper. Out of the four Casper teams, just one qualifier for state, and that was the Kelly Walsh girls who had the worst record of the four. They will be the number four seed from the West and will play Thunder Basin in the opening round on Thursday at 10.30 in the morning over at Natrona. Out of the six Cheyenne teams, just two qualify for state. Defending 4A girls champion Cheyenne East is in. They're a number two seed. They'll draw Star Valley in the opening round at 4.30 at Natrona. The Cheyenne East boys also a two seed. Their first round opponent will be Jackson at noon on Thursday at NC. The Laramie boys are in the state tournament as a number three seed. They draw River on Thursday at 7.30 over at NC. The State 1A and 2A high school basketball tournament concluded on Saturday in Casper. Burns won their very first state championship in girls basketball knocking off Lingle Fort Laramie 48-36. Burns finished the year under 500 at 14 and 15. Pine Bluffs repeated as the 2A boys state champion with a 49-38 win over Bighorn. Upton won their very first state championship in girls basketball in 1A beating Southeast 59-54 and Burlington took the 1A boys crown with a 54-38 win over Upton. In men's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowboys lost their regular season finale to San Diego State on the road over the weekend, 67-50. So they are 9-21 overall, 4-14 in Mountain West play. Folks will be the 11th seed in the Mountain West tournament this week in Las Vegas. They'll play New Mexico on Wednesday at 5 p.m. Wyoming Cowgirls are the number two seed in the Mountain West Conference tournament, and they play San Jose State tomorrow night at the Thomas and Mack Center. That'll be a 6 p.m. tip-off Mountain Time. That's his sports. I took a look at this uh, Wyoming team here. Uh, UW golf team, Palm Desert, California. If they were just a little bit more, not far more, to the west, they wouldn't have been able to play because that's the, some of those mountains that have been getting like a dozen feet of snow. Oh, it's right there. Oh, yeah. They're right at the base of that. So they were very fortunate to be able to play. They're down enough in the bowl of the valley that it's actually got some green grass down there and no snow. They almost... Felt like home. They, it could, yes, exactly. Almost. All they had to do was just climb up a little bit. See, we recognize yeah. that. They would have been hip deep, like right across the... <laughs> like, like we are here. <laughs> Thank you, Frank. Coming up on some local business we have to take care of. We're going to roll into news time after that national local update on weather forecast. Let's wake up, Wyoming. Here in the studio.
6 of time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Wood. Thanks for joining me. It's a Monday. It's still on the cold side out there. It's going to be cold all week long. Yeah, some on and off snow showers around Wyoming. We'll keep you up to date on all of that. All right, 888 Woods, the phone number. It's 888-97-WOODS. Warning, this show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee, and feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not refer to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call this show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Again, triple eight ninety seven Woods, the phone number. Uh, real quick, I was just watching on the ridiculously large television they put in the studio with me here. There's a car chase, once again, Los Angeles Freeway. And, of course, there's a helicopter, several chasing the vehicle because that's big news you know for them i'm always watching these car chases whenever they come up on television they are exciting to watch and we're all wondering what the conclusion is going to be do they get run out of their vehicle and get bum tackled by the police or they get into a wreck whatever the case is but whatever the case is i'm always looking at this thinking boy are you guys stupid it los angeles it is rush hour there right now And somebody's trying to outrun the cops during rush hour in Los Angeles. No way. It's not. He keeps getting bogged down in traffic. How do you think this is going to end, buddy? But he keeps on driving. All right. So I'm going to go to, oh, these are three really cute kids here. Big Piney, Wyoming. And there's a newspaper there, the Sublet Examiner. And there's these three kids. Um, a young boy, very young girl with just the, she's got the, the one on the far right, I'm looking at the cutest smile. And the one in the middle looks like a teeny bopper, young teeny bopper, right? And it's said, they're holding up these little plaques. Big piney students honored as exceptional. <gasps> oh, my Lord. Can you imagine doing that in some other states around the country? I, if, if For example, just recently in the formerly great state of Virginia, Hometown to Liz Cheney. She, uh, they, it started with one school, and they, it turned out to be many schools. So there are kids who work really hard, and they achieve great things. It's not just a matter of great grades, but they participate in the school. They participate in the community. These are uh, exceptional, outstanding kids. They're not getting in trouble. They're not sitting around goofing off, wasting their time all day. They are achievers. And because of that, they get a special accommodation uh, mention, which they can take when they go to apply for a college and say, hey, look what I achieved. Not only were my grades high, but I did all of these other things. And that helps them to get into a good college, not just a college, but a really good college. And one school that started in Virginia, the school... It started with just some of the teachers, we found out, were hiding that exceptionalism, not letting these kids have this award or know that they got it, this certificate of achievement. Well, it's not fair to the other kids who didn't get that. 
can't have that. Then it turned out it was more than just the teachers. It was the administrators doing it. Then it was more than just that school. Many schools around the formerly great state of Virginia were doing the same thing because it's not fair that some kids could outdo some other kids and work hard and achieve. Let's go back to the state of Wyoming. I swear, when I take a look at these kids, they all look so bright and smart. And especially if you look at uh, the girl that I'm looking at on the left, she's just got this unusual smile that's just so cute. Big Piney Sublet County School District number nine, Board of Trustees, reserved time on its February 21st regular meeting to call up three kids, students of the month. At the LaBarge Elementary School, the student of the month, Sydney Key, will be honored at the March board meeting. Big Piney Elementary fifth grade teachers nominated Cora Jenkins as a January student of the month. And let me see, David praise fantastic role model who amplifies values in every way. And there's three kids here, um, and, and they just talked about the kids with uh, not just great grades, excellent personalities, responsible kids, highlighted, uh, empathetic, caring personalities. I mean, just nothing but uh, go, goes above and beyond. I mean, these are good kids who are getting not just great grades, but are already at a very young age good for their community. I see one is a big piney school teacher and cheerleading coach honored junior Julia Hymas as the student of the month, saying pra- praising her extraordinary courage as well. Julia gives 110% in cheerleading and everything else she does. Julia is a empathetic, kind person. She's responsible and and dedicated to her job. And her career as far as school being a career at this point. She's always one to step up in student council if they need her. Oh, she's on student council too. Social studies teachers said that uh, she displays great empathy to her fellow classmates. It's a good friend to them, et cetera, et cetera. You see what I'm doing here and what they're doing. They called out those kids and brought them up front and honored them and said wonderful things about them, then gave them the plaques and their pictures, all three of them holding up their pictures, are in their local newspaper. Now, the Sublet Examiner may not be a major newspaper anywhere, but in Sublet County, it's about the only news they get. You're talking Wyoming, so that's about the only news they get. And there on the front page are these three kids being honored. Now, let's go back to places around the country, Virginia, one of them, they're not the only place. Well, how dare you let some kids excel in front of other kids? Why? Can't do that. Then you're going to put them in front of everybody else and honor them for their great achievements? Why? That's humiliating the kids who didn't achieve anything. That's that's horrible. That's not good for their self-esteem. You can't do that. Unless, of course, you want to hold up these role models and say to the other kids, you see these three here? This is what you aspire to be. Also, it takes these three kids and it makes them think about 
how to be and, and give them the desire to be outstanding members of their community later in life. If they continue to achieve like this, they end up becoming our community leaders, doing wonderful things for the people around them. Because at an early age, they were encouraged to continue doing what they're doing, and that's great things. I'm glad we still do that here in the state of Wyoming. I talked about that last week on one of the programs. Raise Alpha Kids. You're so worried about the state of young people in America, and you should be. Who could save us all? If you raise alpha kids, there's your answer. Because those are the kids who succeed and lead. 915 Wake Up Wyoming. Talk. This is Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Be part of the show at 888-97-WOODS. It's a time it's Wake Up Wyoming. I see White Eagle, Arapaho. I'd be interested to know if these kids from Big Piney were ranch kids. You know, I pretty much guarantee it, considering Big Piney where it is, what they do. But uh, for those who don't know, Big Piney newspapers, sublet uh, newspaper, honors, well, they, they wrote up a story about three kids who were honored by their local city council and schools and given plaques and all that, just for being exceptional kids. Great grades, good people in the community, things like that. So we don't do that game here in Wyoming where you can't do that because other kids would feel bad and it would hurt their self-esteem that they weren't honored. So, yeah, uh, ranch kids, probably could be. All right, um, let's see, call this one up here. Two men, this was just sent to me, and, oh, I got to see to give him credit for it who sent me this. Hang on when I go back to my messages over here. Nicholas. Nicholas is in Casper, Wyoming. So I got to look more into this. This is important. Two men in Nebraska killed and planned to eat an uh, American bald eagle. They're in big trouble. Yet, if a wind turbine knocks one out of the sky, you're okay. Two men in Nebraska were arrested last week for shooting and killing a North American bald eagle with intent of eating it. It's a protected bird, unless it's killed by a wind turbine. Two suspects were identified as Honduran nationals. Deputies responded around 4 p.m. Tuesday to a report of a suspect, a suspicious vehicle near the main Wood Duck Recreation Area, located about three miles southeast of Stanton, officials say. Deputies located the vehicle and the two men in the field. They found the North American bald eagle dead. They determined it was not killed by a wind turbine. Therefore, someone has to get in trouble. If it was killed by a wind turbine, that's okay. Further investigation revealed that the two had shot and killed the protected national bird. See, what they should have done, instead of shooting and killing the bird... They should have erected a – it didn't have to be a big wind turbine. They should have erected a small wind turbine and let the bird fly into it. Then it would have been okay. Or, or, or go to a wind farm and just wait for a protected species like this to get knocked out of the sky. Then it's okay. Further investigation revealed the two had shot and killed a protected national bird in that area. And they planned on cooking it. Nebraska Game and Parks took custody of the Eagles' remains. 
Bald eagles are a protected species, unless killed by a wind turbine, under the Bald Eagle Protection Act of 1940, which prohibits anyone without a special permit, which wind turbines have, from hurting or killing birds or taking parts of their nests or eggs or anything like that. The two men were both cited for unlawful possession of the eagle, unless it falls on the property underneath a wind turbine. And they've also been cited for not having valid driver's licenses. Sheriff's officials said more serious charges are possible. And the investigation continues. Oh, wow. Actually, thanks, Nicholas, for sending me that. I'm going to go ahead. I'm right now saving that article because I want to do more with this. Oh, I'm not done with this yet. That's a really good article. And I am not done poking into that because, once again, if you killed that bird with a wind turbine, you already have a permit to do so. That's okay. Even though they're a protected species, that's okay. Go ahead and kill it. So I wonder, if you went to a wind farm and found a dead bird of prey, something that was a protected species, could you then just pick it up off the ground and go, I mean, it's already dead. You do have the right to kill or to eat roadkill in Wyoming, but that's not roadkill. That's wind turbine kill. So I don't know what the rules there are. I'm not sure. All right. Again, thanks for that, Nicholas. I'm not done with that story. Uh, next up here, a shocking 77% of Americans ages 17 to 24 are not physically fit enough to join the military, says the Defense Department. And if you're thinking, yeah, overweight, well, but also just too weak because they're not out there running around and working. Think about what we used to do. This was, uh, this was life, not just in America, but worldwide. We would have to get up early in the morning, doesn't matter the age. Well, infant, toddler, no. But get up early in the morning and get out there and start doing the daily chows. After the chows are done, for the young people, it's off to school. When school was done, and remember, school was uphill in the snow both ways. Then they would come home, and they would have more work to do. And the reason for the work is because that's how a family survived. There was no going to the grocery store. There's no watching television, no playing on the computer. No bored kids out there. There was no such thing as a bored kid because everybody understood in the family. If you want dinner, you want food on the table, clothes on your back, a nice warm house to live in, there's daily work to be done. And back then, the work was physical labor. Very difficult to get this done. Today, most young people, well, they get up early. They have a breakfast that's way too big for what they're going to be doing. And they go to school and they sit. When they get done, they really don't have anything to do after that. They come home and what? What do they do? Yeah, so it's television, it's computers, video games, stuff like that. A lot of them are bored. And so they snack. So they're eating a lot of junk. They're eating too much and they're not exercising. A recent Defense Department report reveals some deeply concerning news almost 77% of all Americans ages 17 to 24 lack the required level of physical fitness to enlist in the military. That's a 6% increase since 2017. 
Now, the government has previously declared obesity a national security threat. And approximately $60 million is spent by the U.S. each year to re-enlist those who previously were discharged. Please, for the love of God, come back. As of 2020, almost 42% of Americans now fall into the range of obese or even severely obese. Again, sit around too much, eat a lot of junk. Military needs to fill those ranks. Even though we have a lot of advanced technology that makes fighting a whole different game. But still, and we're just talking about the health of our nation in general, right? Chet and Yoder, those screaming about exceptional people and how low grades because they wanted to um, party rather than put the energy to where it does good. Kevin in Wheatland. And by the way, what are illegal aliens doing with firearms? Kevin, that is a great question. Yeah, well, <laughs> that is just a dynamite question. Because I got everything else in that story, but I missed that part. They're here illegally in our country, hunting bald eagle, and they have guns? Illegal aliens with guns in our country, eating bald eagle. Oh, that ought to really upset every single red-blooded American out there. 9.30, local news, weather forecast, wake up Wyoming. On K2 Radio, got something to say? Chat him on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app or call 888-97-WOODS. Nine thirty-six. the time, but it's Wake Up Wyoming. 888-97-WOODS, the phone number. That's 888-97-WOODS. Okay, I found the latest racist thing. Oh, it's always got to be something new. Now, the main things that were racist before that were really racist, okay, we, we've dealing with those or have dealt with them. But the, now, though, the people who are, well, playing the game, throwing out the race card everywhere they possibly can, have devalued what was an important thing. It used to be when someone pulled out the race card and said, that's racist, pay attention because it was important. But now these activists throw it out everywhere. To the point that everything is racist and the card is devalued. When you're down and out and you're really up against it, just remember the basics. It's a mantra, repeatedly say this. You're not a loser, it's just everybody's racist. Yeah, that's right, I said it. Why do you think nobody ever give you any credit? Why you last on the list of your doctor's patients? Chronological or is your surgery racist? What type of dog's on the pavement in front of your house? Alsatian, racist. Say you're typing in a search engine, trying to write haters with a Z at the end. And your computer goes, did you mean haters? That's how you know Google's racist. How come every time an igloo's made, it's always white? Hmm? Eskimos, racist. So now you know the truth at its plainest. Your car won't start. Engine, racist. Your team don't pick you. These guys, racist. Jeans don't fit you. Levi's, racist. You can't lose weight every time you try it. I guarantee your diet is racist. When you're down and out and you're really up against it, just remember the basics. It's a mantra, repeatedly say this. You're not a loser. It's just everybody's racist. See, it's important when something actually is racist to, again, pull out the race card then. 
Only use it when it's real. Don't throw it out every time something isn't going your way. New York Times has discovered the newest source of racism. So for those people who love equestrian sports, you like riding horses, and you wear that traditional equestrian helmet. I'm not talking about the cowboy hats that a lot of you guys out there. I mean their traditional equestrian helmet. You know the kind. It's very stylish, in fact even after all these years. New York Times has the intrepid warrior for anything, the story says, and everything of far-left hysteria. Friday published a lengthy piece about systemic racism that no one has ever noticed before. It seems that equestrian helmets are racist because they don't accommodate the dreadlocks of some horse riders out there. Well, are you assuming that only black people have dreadlocks? One black rider's mother lamented most everything in this sport isn't designed for us. Well, that's going to have to change. Okay. If something wasn't designed for you, in other words, you have a certain hairstyle, and that little helmet doesn't fit over your hairstyle, does that mean that the helmet is racist? I would say not. I would say someone's just got to stop and think, hmm, Well, maybe we should just come up with a helmet that accommodates people who put their hair up in a different way. That doesn't mean that the helmet is racist, obviously. I mean, I don't need to explain this to you guys. You understand. But, of course, there are people who throw out the race card at every possible opportunity. Most people wondered if he had given up on crime fighting, but he's back, ladies and gentlemen. Social justice warrior. Was he in training? Had some evil villain captured him and held him against his will? Or was he just hiding in his parents' basement because of COVID? Yeah, whatever. Now, the latest episode of Social Justice Warrior. As he goes after average white guy caught in another act of racism. Take off all those masks. I can't understand you. I can't breathe in these things. I've got you now, average white guy. Hey, where have you been? No, hiding in my apartment from COVID. You mean your parents' basement? Well, yeah. But I see you wearing a Let's Go Brandon t-shirt. That's racist. I don't know how you're going to sell that. Sell it? I've already bought it. What's that? It's my race card. Looks kind of worn down. I use it every chance I get. You'd be surprised how useful it is. Well, I have a payment app here on my phone. Just swipe. Your card's been declined. Uh, That's not possible. It's unlimited. Apparently not. It says you're over your limit. You use this thing on just about everything, haven't you? Helps me cut to the front of the line at Starbucks. Got cash? I had stimulus money, but... Spent it all at Starbucks? Have you seen the prices of lattes these days? Inflation's a bitch, isn't it? Don't say it. Let's go, Brandon. How will social justice warrior fight crime without his race card? And how will he cut to the front of the line at Starbucks? Does this mean the end of social justice warriors' superpowers? Tune in next time for another episode of Social Justice Warriors. See, again, only pull that card out when it's real. Then go right ahead and use it because it's real. But if you're going to pull that sucker out every time something isn't going your way or every time you imagine that there's an offense that doesn't really exist or to control people, then you devalue it. And just like in that episode there, eventually, um, 
wow, uh, the credit limit is far exceeded and you can't use it anymore. Which, if you watch and notice, that is happening. 942 Wake Up Wyoming. Wyoming. Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Join in at 888-97-WOODS or the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. Forty-eight. The time is wake up, Wyoming. Off to the icebox we go. Frank Gambino waiting by. Frank, I uh, when I'm heading down the highway for long stretches, there's a little game that I like to play to keep myself entertained. You know what I used to do? Yeah. Count all the reflector poles that've been hit. Oh my lord! And I'll I tell you the that. I'll tell you the record. Yeah. It's on Highway 50 okay. coming out of Gillette to yeah. 387. Uh-huh. I was convinced that there are so many, and I started counting on both sides, that I think YDOT found the place that they were wrecked actually on different roads yeah. and then put on that highway. Hmm. Okay. That's bad. I wonder. Well, it is a nasty section of road in the wintertime anyway. Yeah. So, so I, ca- I count the bent okay. reflector poles. What I do is when I get near billboards, now, a billboard has a glance. The driver will glance. That's it. That's all they get yeah. as far as the look. Most billboards are useless. I have no idea what they're for because you can't understand it in a glance, except for these. Here's one billboard which is tilted slightly askew. Yeah, I see. And on the right-hand side, there's a fat guy. <laughs> yeah, it's for a fitness center. <laughs> That is see, that, that's a good one. That yeah. has my attention. I'm paying. There was one in when I was living in Tampa, Florida, many years ago, and it was uh, someone was painting the Tampa Tribune, Tampa Tribune, a newspaper there. Okay, but it wasn't finished. And then there was a mannequin sitting there in a painter's outfit reading the newspaper. See, see, one glance, and yeah. I got it. Now this one is really good. Oftentimes, for and I'll warn realtors out there, there's a lot of realtor signs where I see a smiling person, mm-hmm. but I don't understand who that is and what they're up there for. I don't get it. Quit putting your face on the billboard. Now, here's one. You know the Remax balloon? Right. Okay. Well, they took a uh, what looks like a, a makeup of a balloon with the basket for real, and they hung it over the sign. Oh, okay. It's, it's deflated. <laughs> you get it, right? You yeah, know the Remax. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's that's simple enough. See, these things are really clever. Uh, let me see. Here's another one here for uh, yeah, accidents will happen. And the guy who's supposed to be painting the billboard is a mannequin hanging from the sign. Uh-huh. And his, yeah, it, his uh, scaffolding has fallen. And they don't paint signs anymore, but so what? Well... I'm glad there's some people using some creativity yeah. as opposed to those other ones and say uh, garage sale. Okay, now here's my favorite mm-hmm. one of all. This actually is a billboard. There's a tanker truck below it. Okay. And the lid to the top of this big tanker truck is open. Okay. At the top is the billboard where there is a, a picture of a bottle of hot sauce being poured into the actual tanker truck below. <laughs> You see, now you have my attention, Frank. Gotcha. All righty. 
Well, in high school basketball, the 3A and 4A state tournament will start on Thursday in Casper. Out of the four Casper teams, just one qualified for state. That was the Kelly Walls girls who had the worst record of all four. But the Trojans prevail out of their regional, and they are the number four seed from the West. They'll play Thunder Basin in the opening round on Thursday at 1030 in the morning over at Detrona. Out of the six Cheyenne teams, just two qualify for state. Defending 4A girls champion Cheyenne East is in. They are a two seed and will draw Star Valley in the opening round at 430 at Detrona. The Cheyenne East boys will be a two seed. Their first round opponent will be Jackson at noon on Thursday at NC. The Laramie boys are a three seed and they'll play Riverton on Thursday at 730 over at NC. State 1A and 2A high school basketball tournament concluded on Saturday in Casper. Burns won their very first state championship in girls basketball. They knocked off Lingo 48-36. to Burns finished the year under 500 at 14-15. and Pine Bluffs repeated as the 2A state champion on the boys side with a 49-38 win over Bighorn. Upton won their very first state championship in girls basketball taking care of Southeastern 1A, 59-54, and Burlington took the 1A boys' crown with a 54-35 victory over Upton. Men's college basketball, the Wyoming Cowboys lost their regular season finale to San Diego State on the road over the weekend, 67-50, and they are 9-21 overall, uh, 4-14 in Mountain West play. Pokes will be the 11th seed in the Mountain West tournament this week in Las Vegas. They'll play New Mexico on Wednesday at 5 p.m. The Wyoming Cowgirls are the number two seed in the Mountain West, Mountain West Conference tournament. They will hold, they will take on San Jose State tomorrow night at 6 p.m. at the Thomas and Mack Center in Vegas. State High School indoor track meet concluded on Saturday in Gillette on the boys' side. And the Toronto won the team championship by a landslide. Jackson Dutcher won the 800 and 1600 meters meter runs with teammate Tristan Enders taking the 3200. NC had a whole bunch of champions. A Mason Wycombe won the 55 hurdles. Caden Lee won the high jump and the triple jump. Bridger Anderson the long jump. Caven Hoff the pole vault. Cheyenne East won the 4 by 200 relay and Cheyenne Central won the 1600 medley. On the girls' side, Sheridan was the team champion, and individually, Talia Morris of Cheyenne East won three events, the 55 meters, the 200 meters, and set a state record in the long jump at 19 feet 2 inches. Cheyenne Central Sydney Morrow won the 800 and 1600. Her teammate Brinkley Green took first in the pole vault. Mackenzie Bradich of Natrona placed first in the triple jump. Kelly Walsh won the 4x200-meter relay. East won the 4x800, and Central the 1600 medley. I'm going to send you an article because it's really a good one. It's inspiring. The Jackson Hole Lady right. Blanco. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I read that. They have not won a game all yes. year, and they didn't. No. And they were just bad. But you know what? There's They, they, found, they found at least their effort and their attitude was good. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, and that's where I take a look at that and say, okay, you've really just had a horrible season. Anybody else would be depressed about that. But this story and these ladies find something good in it and a lesson to be learned. You, you, you might as well. Uh, Ser- seriously, you, you might as well. You might as no. There are lessons to be learned with with failure. Yeah, great lessons if you if you play it right, Frank. Sometimes you know. Yeah, I guess you, yeah. it's like like in like in any game. Yeah. Do you do you learn something when you when you lose, or you don't there learn you something when you lose? Wake up, Wyoming. We are in the studio 